Hello, and welcome to the Agency Dallas official podcast, Behind the Red Mic. This is episode three, and the amount of times that somebody has said you'll never make it to episode three, they were wrong. Who said that? I'm kidding, of course. Was it Megan? <laughs> yeah, probably my wife. You'll, you'll never get past episode three. Well, look at you now. Uh, <laughs> I've got a great um, show today with the guest, Trey Stewart. Everybody knows he's got his own podcast, and he was on the last one with us. And then I've got Brian McCauley, my right-hand man in the low world. And then I've got Francisco Rizzo, which is a great ad and agent to our office here. And we have some great topics to talk about. Um, I think today I'm going to start with Francisco, and we are going to discuss all things real estate that he has going on in his world. Welcome, everyone. Hi. Thank you. Appreciate you having us, man. Um, Love to have you guys. The uh, first thing, well, the first topic I really wanted to talk about is because Francisco has such a very interesting project right now that I literally have been in real estate for over 20 years and never heard about anything like this before. So it's it's really... A very interesting discussion. Um, you have a F1 racing project that is in Austin, and it is one of a kind. Yes. So it is such an amazing concept, as you said. Um, they're card condos. So you have a place where you can keep your toys, where you can stay, where you can invite your friends. But not only that, you are in the only F1 certified track in the country, which is huge. Um, most of the drivers that I've met have said that that's their favorite track out of the whole circuit. That's what I've heard. And uh, so we're very proud of it. Uh, these condos are going to be like any other condo. Like they're going to have amenities like a pool, like a clubhouse. Anything and everything you will think. They're going to have a restaurant inside. They're going to have their own catering company. So you can make events. You can entertain. Uh, You're going to get many other perks that we'll be talking about throughout the podcast for sure. Can I drive one of the cars? Yeah. Good, I'm in. So what? No, like Brian's your first pre-sale. Can we at least take a picture behind? No, no, no. Brian will put it out on social. Look what I just did. (laughs) We have actually a couple of cars on track for every event that we have we we have a couple of ferraris there so you guys can jump in and just drive around you just have a couple of ferraris like laying around for yeah oh i love that you cool. don't have ferraris laying around <laughs> I, I, I mean don't at the moment but i'm gonna start trey trey is the I richest selling person you ever where you can yeah. keep them <laughs> uh the other thing you were talking about though uh to me the other day was that you have a um a team of models that will be kind of taking the guys around in, uh, what was it, the uh, Mokis? Yeah, so we are, saw um, on the track and everything and the pre-sales. It's good. The, the Mokis, it's a kind of concept. Yeah. We're still working on that. It's going to be a surprise of the vehicle that we're Ferraris we're or taking. Mokis, one or the other. We're going to have a lot of different <laughs> things happening in Formula One. If you're coming to Formula One, hit, hit me up. I'll give you the whole dog and pony show. But yeah, so we're going to have, I have to be very careful tropicalizing my words because in Spanish, when you say escort, <laughs> you talk yeah. about someone that, you talk like a uh, trade model. Yes. If you say that here, 
it can get misconstrued and yeah. you can go back we to just have line. a few escorts it's a showing model. our clients it's a trade bottle <laughs> so yeah that would that would be an interesting conversation the guys the, the wives are standing next to the guys going yeah what <laughs> how many escorts did you buy that day <laughs> yeah <laughs> so no we have we're gonna have great trade models helping us with this event we're gonna have 10 boots all around um the circuit we're gonna have people in suites it's going to be a huge activation for us. We're very excited. Uh, we're going to have a couple of surprises, raffles. We're going to be giving away trips. We're going to be giving away track days. We're not going to be giving away a Ferrari. However, we can hook you up with an amazing price because Ferrari Austin is going to be one of our... Uh, They're going to get you 1% off that price. And yeah. That's actually you. a lot. <laughs> the other thing that you were talking about They're gonna is... They're going to give uh, you a hat. Yeah, perfect. I'll take it. <laughs> you can purchase the keychain, and make it look yeah. like it's yours. It's all good. The other thing you were saying was is that uh, next month you're going to be out there uh, in Austin, and you're going to be what is it? October twentieth? What was it? It's October twenty to twenty second. Yeah, and there's going to be um, some primo or pre sales kind of information and everything out there. If somebody did want to show up and actually see some stuff, there would be boots on the ground at that point there. Yeah, so we're going to be there. Uh, we're finishing up our model unit. Uh, so it's going to be ready by the race, by the time of the race comes. So we're going to, the whole point is bring people to the model. So people that want to buy, we're going to have everything set up so we can take deposits then. People that put deposits are going to get a lot of more perks, starting with um, hats, hats, t-shirts, t-shirts. <laughs> if you DM me, you get a hat and a t-shirt. Done deal. Uh, uh, but if you signed your deposit, one of the perks that I allowed to say, because most of them are going to be sur like surprises for the event, yeah. are you're going to get two tickets for every event that the Circuit of the Americas have. Oh, for the whole year. And I'm not talking about Formula One only or MotoGP or Indy. They have concerts pretty much every weekend. So the price of this, we're talking about $25,000 package. Oh, that's, just giving that's a deal. For signing a deal. For people who love that stuff, that's a big deal for them. I mean, yeah, and even if you don't love, if you're not a car enthusiast or you're not a Formula One enthusiast or MotoGP uh, I think in two weekends or this weekend, uh, Lana Del Rey is playing. Uh, like... Ryan's favorite musician, Lana Del Rey. <laughs> I need to get a new album for sure. <laughs> and, uh, I'm so way behind on my <laughs> Brian was just singing that on the way in the office. Just no, we can ago. listen to it in the Ferrari when I drive it. <laughs> yes, so I'm cruising. Yes. You put that on, we'll be all good. You had me at Ferraris and Escort, so everything else. I'm like, what? Ferraris and Escorts and Lana Del Rey. What? That sounds like a what proper uh, music video. But uh, yes, so it's not only racing. It's not only cars. We want to make sure. We want to include families. We want to include. So I know that or mom is going to be the car enthusiast, but the kids also want to have a perk if they if daddy is buying a unit. So yeah. that's what we're giving away. And that's what I can tell. So There's many more things. To clarify one more thing, the the garages that you're talking about selling are full livable situations. And you can park cars in it, but you have lofts, you can have a kitchen, lofts. you have bathrooms, you have everything. Right. So if somebody wanted to like 
high-end kind of tailgating in F1. That's really what it is, right? You could you can live in the property. It's not, I'm assuming nobody's going to be living there full-time, but this is like while you're in town doing the F1. If you want to have fun over the weekend or something, that's kind of the, I'm assuming, the buyer that you're looking for, right? So that is exactly right. Uh, you're going to be able to have the setup as nice, as rustic, as avant-garde as you want. That sounds good. Uh, you're going to be able either to choose our finish outs. We're going to have, we have three different finish out packages and three different furniture packages. So you can have the option to have a turnkey. Awesome. You're that guy that wants easy and convenient and are too busy to start making decisions. You pick all and then, these and three, mix match. You have your unit. You're, you're going to have those kind of buyers in that kind of situation for sure. So yeah, it's smart that y'all do a turnkey like... Nobody has to go hire an interior decorator and go to the track and pay somebody for that. It's like, here's what you can do. Done. You closed. Here's your keys. Move in. Park your cars. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so we have that for that type of client. If you're the type of client that likes to get your hands dirty and go through every design aspect, you can do that. We can sell a shell. Yeah. And you decide what to do with it. So we cover both ends of the spectrum. Also, as you said, there are different sizes. It's the large, the extra large, and the extra, extra large. We don't have mediums or smalls here. Uh, Texas. Yeah. How many cars does an extra, extra large hold? Around 30. 30? 30 Around cars. Now we're tank. talking. That's what? enough for the whole brokerage. You know what is the most crazy stuff? So we start pre-sale. We started pre-sale process uh, not so long ago, and we have around fourteen units reserved mm -hmm. out of seventy-five of our first uh, uh, stage. There are gonna be two phases. Phase one have seventy-five. Phase two have seventy-five, and we have around ten, twelve. I think it was twelve last time I checked. Most of them are extra, extra large and extra large. Uh, I can imagine. I can't think of 30 cars that are buying. One under $2 million. And our prices start at 400 all the way to $3 million. Right. right now, people are very excited about having the larger space. Right. There's people like that we have had encounter amazing stories people that have been hiding cars from his wife <laughs> and need a place to school but i love people that are uh, i've been looking for a place to hide my car no, he's like he's like <laughs> i cannot buy a coffee without she knowing no 100 <laughs> percent. of course i work with my wife here in the office and every day that i do anything she's got her ear huh what huh? i can hear you <laughs> this guy had three bugattis and it's like, well, the things that my wife doesn't know that I have the Bugatti. It's like, she didn't know. For everybody that, yeah. out there that has multiple cars and you have to hide them, you can relate to what he's talking Holy. about. Me personally, in the mortgage business, not Ferraris and models, maybe Volkswagens and waitresses, but at the same time, <laughs> we all got to hide our stuff, you know? The good old days, Brian. The good old days. <laughs> I can rent one and make a cool Instagram about it. That's about it. I'll tell you something funny about this, because when you brought it up to me, it, it made me think of something that happened a long time ago. I was in my early 20s, and my brother is two years younger than me, and he's like a big car guy just in general, loves restoring Mustangs, you know, doing all the stuff that we grew up with, Corvettes, Mustangs, Camaros, all those kind of things that you're like, ah, eh, those things are, you know, old and who cares anymore. He's like, no, 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 they, 
I like deal, you know, I like doing them. That's like what we grew up with. And now it's a huge thing. Now, like these people restoring these cars, people are paying $200,000 for a restored Camaro. And I'm like, it's absolutely nuts. But the point was, is we're driving through Plano. This is east uh, or close to East Plano, West Plano on the border. And he says, look over there to the right. They're building these, uh, these, they're building these garages for people. And I'm like, building garages. What do you mean building garages? He's like, people will buy a garage and it's basically like your own workshop with the ability to park four cars or whatever it is. And they wanted $300,000 for like each garage back then. And I'm thinking in my head, of course, again, this is like 2004, five, maybe $300,000 was more than I bought my first home for in like 2003. Our new construction was like 168,000. These are $300,000 for garages. So I'm like, oh man, what a dumb idea. They're gonna, they're, they are gonna lose big. Two weeks, every one of them was sold out. I was like, you're kidding me. It's crazy. It's it crazy. is crazy how big people are into this car markets. Yeah, it's a glorified renaissance. I know what you're talking about. And there's like a three-year wait list to get into that. Absolutely. It's, That's the thing. Like they were like overnight sold out. And I was just shocked by it because of the pricing. But it was it was like, what a what a place for a market. <laughs> no, it's crazy what a car enthusiast will do for their toys. It's just like, I, I feel the passion. I, of course, don't have the budget to have the passion farther than the passion. But it is crazy when you see, you were talking about muscle cars, Amer- American muscle cars. We have this group of very wealthy individuals coming from France and uh, and Monaco. Oh, yeah. They're going to, they have their cars stored in New York right outside Manhattan and they sh- they're shipping their cars, but they're bringing all muscle cars. Like, uh, I think they're bringing two Shelby's and one Camaro. Beautiful. And I like a Shelby. Mustang. They're going to start, they're going to sign their contracts and then they're going to start their uh, all Americana tour. So they're going to drive from Austin to Marfa to New Mexico. Like going to go to White Sands, all like Roswell. They want to go to Roswell now that the whole <laughs> alien thing is is a boss thing right now. And <laughs> yeah, it's gotten more popular. Yeah. <laughs> now that they thought that they are, even that Roswell thing was real. And they're going to end up in Las Vegas. So this is the type of clientele that we're getting. Very eclectic. Um, we have from businessmen to law firms asking bankers that want to buy it to entertain their clients. But something that I assure you when you buy a condo at T11 is that the community is going to be like no other. You're going to have all sorts of aspects that the single factor that unites them all is the passion for vehicles. Yeah. Either cars, motorcycles, but it's just so such a cool little community we're going to have. You you could imagine how on one of those big race days, everybody comes out and they're like glorified tailgating at their houses right there in front of the track. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) seriously, that's like like a dream come true for some of those people. Um, Okay, one one thing I want to move to real quick was uh, talking, talking about real estate still. You have currently four different properties that are same builder, um, Midway Hollow. You have new construction on Durango and High Grove. High Grove's not done yet, right? Yes, High Grove. Uh, they just put foundation on it. 
Okay, Durango's 1.4 million listed right now. You're getting good traction on it. You have Highgrove that's going to be coming in the next, call it, call it six months. Um, Fontana, you said was 700K remodel. So no, oh, Fontana, no. New, new build. We're going to start at 8, 890. Uh, we have Davila in the 37 block. It's a remodel. That's going to be 775, three bedroom, three bath. Amazing closet, amazing remodel. He, he takes on modern, uh, my client. He is such a wonderful builder. Uh, people come, every time we have an open house, other clients come and they just rage about how happy they are oh, that's, with their products. That's great. So that is very reassuring, especially <clears throat> to hear that about your client. Um, so he has that in Davila, 37 block in Davila, 3,800 block in Fontana. Uh, we are, above, we have foundation in Highgrove. We have two other houses coming up in Davila, but what we are going to start doing is a spec custom process. So we're going to have the floor plan ready. This is what you can build in this lot. You have four different color palettes, four different, uh, package, uh, appliance packages. So you can choose and pick what you want. So you're pretty much going to be able to customize this house the way that you want it. If you want a special feature, he's very open and very amicable to make any changes. So it's going to be a really easy and fun process for you if you want a new construction. <clears throat> That's but great. you don't want to go to the deal having to go to an architect or having to find a builder. This is all in-house. That's great. Um, I'm sure Brian's going to be funding all those loans for this builder, right, Brian? All he wants is opportunity, man. <laughs> I'll see what I can do to connect the dots and get it into the end zone. Yeah. I think I can hook you up. Yeah. I think that y'all should talk about that. <laughs> okay. Uh, the podcast with your wife cracks me up. Uh, Next subject. <laughs> I've got I've to touch on this lightly because I'm like, my wife is friends with Jenna, his wife, and they do the pod podcast called Fittish, which was, which was stemmed from her makeup line, right? Yes. Yeah. So then she decides in her grandiose ideas that she's going to bring Francisco on and talk about all things about their relationship. Because she's also like radio royalty. So yeah. it's kind of, from, it has to be hard yeah. going into that with her. She's such a trained professional. It's actually easier because she is such a professional that she knows how to guide the whole, like mm -hmm. if I were to be doing it by myself, yeah, that podcast will be five minutes long. <laughs> And maybe sure, Francisco's thoughts. <laughs> and that was what I had to say this week. Hope you guys enjoyed. Yeah. <laughs> Tune up for the next five minutes next week. So no, it's it's such a different experience. So it started. She started this podcast because of her uh, skincare line. Mm -hmm. After right after she retired from the radio, and the co-host was JC, also from the same show. And uh, and I start just I started just sobbing when JC wasn't able to do it. She used to call me, "Hey, do you want to do it?" Like, well, why not? And people start liking it, so I I really don't know why. Well, I can tell you why. <laughs> but <laughs> I heard it for the first time. But personally, my wife's listening to it the other night when we're in, we're laying there in bed, and I'm I'm like halfway awake and halfway asleep, but she stays up longer and works on her iPad and does things for the office and all this stuff where she can like think and all this. And she's got that playing. 
and I'm listening in like with one ear and I'm just giggling, <laughs> trying to go to sleep because Jenna is talking to Francisco and it reminds me so much of like how my wife and I would talk because they've obviously got this dynamic where they're around each other all the time. They're the podcast together. He's in real estate. She's she's in skincare. They're both in sales. And you need to check it out. It's funny. It'll make you laugh. Um, Jenna just is all over Francisco. <laughs> That's the fun part. People get to see the real about it. She pushes buttons and nobody else can. You're losing you're, too much weight, Francisco. You look like I a roasting, I roasting of Francisco every week. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's exactly That's what, what it is. be the name of the podcast. See? That's it. I'm, I'm listening to the night. So I'm leaving. I'm right. Just be honest. Like, it's, there's, there's it's one thing. Like, I cannot lie or say anything that it's inaccurate because she will call that out in that podcast. Oh, yeah. So, She'll, like, Google it immediately. Let's oh, yeah, yeah. No, 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 that's no, a that's completely right. different story. <laughs> like, she would not trust a fact from anybody. Like, Google is her Absolutely best friend. Not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. Okay, so that's the finished podcast. I definitely think that y'all should tune into it when you're not listening to ours. Um... Let's move over to Trey has a few questions that is more group discussion related, which I think Brian could answer some of these stuff better than I could with him being in the mortgage world and what all we're experiencing these days and what the uh, undecided times of the interest rates and what's in the future. And let's start with your best question, Trey. What's your best one? Well, okay, so I'll give you this. This is a question that I feel like I get a lot and I have my answer, but I'm very curious to hear y'all's answer. What do you say when someone says to you, when is the right time to buy a home? I think it depends upon the person's goal. I think it depends upon what they think a deal is and if it's a right fit. And I think that's different for everybody. So asking good questions up front about that is an important piece to figure out. Is it the right time for them? Not always the right time. My answer is always yesterday. Like I (laughs) wish I would have bought a house in middle school because I'd be rich now, but I didn't. So... I think, you know, when you're from a financial standpoint, people are looking, you know, are houses going to get cheaper? No. No. Probably not. No. Like go on Zillow. When was it ever cheaper? When was that house ever cheaper? I mean, if you look at just the trend in the last 30 years that anybody's been alive that's on this podcast, it's it's a it's a literally a slightly jagged straight up in the air like somebody's just yeah on a mountain, maybe steps one step down, 10 up, one step, 10 up. It's always continuously going up because mm-hmm. the market's volatility is very mild for us. Mm-hmm. Literally the only thing I think on the planet right now that would affect the Dallas DFW market would be interest rates. Yeah. And interest rates have affected our market to the point of there's less activity out there in the market, but prices are not dropping. I mean, people are discounting. People are coming down on prices not to the extent of a few percentage points more right. more than that <clears throat> i mean there's some people that are like i had I have a house that we went under contract in university park that's 4.3 million dollars we got it for 4.1 million now of course you're like well that's a lot of money and i say the same thing but that's two hundred thousand dollars off but in the grand scheme of what that house is actually under contract for it's still only a few percentage points of the actual value so it may be two hundred thousand, but you're not going to find a five hundred thousand dollar house that's selling for three hundred thousand. I think you, what you're looking at out there is a five hundred thousand dollar house may sell for four seventy five or four eighty. So it's just all about negotiations. Like nobody's like, oh my god, I got to sell this house tomorrow. 
Still haven't had any or seen any of those distressed properties out there where people are on the verge of foreclosure back like we had in the bust. So to answer your question, in my opinion, just on the real estate side, not the lending side, which Brian's answer is exactly perfect for, I think, anybody in the general scheme of things is like, what is the situation for you personally? Are you about to go write a check for rent for 4000 a month? Then go buy a house. Mm -hmm. Are you complacent where you are right now because you're moving on down the road with a 3% interest rate and you don't want to muddy the waters with going into a higher interest rate, even though you don't love your house? then that's up to you. Stay where you are or jump in there and see if you, maybe you can get a better deal on it. Me and Brian can talk to our blue in the face about interest rate buy-downs and seller concessions, but I think ultimately the mindset has to be the buyer or the seller. But Trey's on to something. He's on the big picture about houses getting cheaper. So real estate, especially in Dallas, over historically it goes up in value over time, three or four or 5% a year, like the stock market. Will there be a dip here and there? Yes, of course, but overall, it's not gonna go down. The big picture piece, to your point, is what people gotta pay attention to, which is, yes, I understand the rate, the payment matter, but that's temporary. Um, people have to look at the one, two, three, five-year plan of, hey, that house is 525 today at 7%, so your payment's 3,300 bucks. If you wait a year until rates are a percent lower, that's great, but that 525 is gonna be 550. How about when rates are at 499? That 525 is gonna be 600. So you could save 200 in the payment, but you pick up 75K in the equity, and there's your wealth creation component of the way to win in this market is not to wait and buy. Everybody that wins buys and they wait. And that's the takeaway in the mindset people have to get, especially in Dallas, because it's booming so hard. Things aren't going to get cheaper, and they've already probably got as cheap as they're going to get. The next wave with rates dropping and people migrating here is coming, and then you're going to be knocked out of the market for two, two or three years sitting on the sideline again, and that's more money you would have flushed. What did, what, what did we hear yesterday at the uh, office meeting that we just had? Rates are starting to trickle down. Tr starting to trickle down, and Frontier just said they were relocating 3,000 people to Dallas. Okay, so we're talking about one of the largest internet providers on the planet, and they just decided to move a huge portion of their workforce to the Dallas area. So now we're talking about that's 3,000 people that are probably going to be in the hunt for houses. Some will rent. Most will try to buy. I don't think anybody wants to come relocate and then rent for years on end where they are. Most people want to build some equity and wealth in a property and then also uh, be in a location that's like solid long term. And Dallas is about as solid as it can be long term. Anybody who's looking across the country we're still idolized as one of the most affordable places and also one of the best places to live. Not even just economy or pricing. It's more about like lifestyle, you know, like Dallas has everything that anybody needs as far as luxury or affordability. Well, and the key is everybody, whether you're a renter or owner, you're paying your mortgage. At some point, it's good to pay your own. And if you have to pay one right now, that's a little bit higher than you want. It's okay. But the trade-off is these temporary higher interest rates are a buyer's best friend. You could have bought two years ago and got a 399 rate, but that house is not worth 600 anymore. It's dropped to 550. That bounce is gone. But what you want to do is you want to trade higher payments for a little bit of equity bump because in our lives, the way to create wealth is, you know, compounding all of your money and your savings. We can't work hard enough and save hard enough over 10 years to get it. If you buy a house at 550 in five years, it's worth 650. That's 100K in wealth you created for yourself. Yes, you may have a payment that's a little bit higher for a few years, but you can refi, you can do all that. And I think people that know this market and understand wealth creation and housing market and when to buy and when not to buy understand this versus your everyday consumer just looks at a headline that says, rate 
payment. There's so much more to it, which is what you talked about. It's like things are not going to go backwards. Well, they're not, they're not going to go backwards, but they also won't ever be at a point unless we have a complete collapse of the economy that goes back to what we already we learned from back in the 2008 to 2010 uh, crash. And I think the funny thing about that was the correction that happened in the market after that, you could have gotten houses back then as low as 20% or 25% off you know, what a normal level of housing was, but nobody was doing it. There's only a handful of people that were doing it, which, which were fat pocketed cash investors. Right. Well, bad they, loans caused that. It's really hard to get a exactly. loan now. So loans are performing at an all-time high, even in an economy that's a little bit sticky and things are more expensive. But also like, you know, Dallas is now on the map. I mean, I saw this in late 19 before COVID happened. People started to realize the opportunity and the growth here and the economic policy. And so people, individuals and companies are flocking here, which is making the demand go up. And then obviously during COVID, people started to make moves to where they wanted something different for their life. And Dallas is such a great spot. And so it just highlighted from California people, New York people, they're all coming here. And now when you see like, hey, look at all these huge companies coming here and three and 4,000 employees at a time, there's a reason behind it. So Dallas, you can no longer turn the spotlight off of it. Just a matter of like, you got to make your move at the right time. And the deal is yesterday, probably. Are things going to um, get slower in Dallas? Are less people going to come here? No. Uh, and you can read that in the articles year over year, month over month. And the, the fact of the matter now is it's like, you know, the time is now whether or not you can afford it. Let's go through some financial strategy. But five years from now, that house ain't going to be cheaper. I promise. No. What happened after that crash? A lot of correction. The market went straight through the roof. I mean, literally two years of a volatile market and at the minute that everything went like low interest rates, economy's recovering, everybody on the planet was trying to buy a house all of a sudden because we had two years of like, basically, what are we going to do? This is also why the housing market specifically is not going to have any issues. People have good home loans right now. And so the affordability is there. Um, but I think the way to think is, you know, your everyday buyer thinks about rate and payment. Your person that's thinking about Wealth creation is what's the trade-off in the asset, meaning what can I buy it for today? You don't make money off the interest rate. You make money on the appreciation of the house. And when you and sell that's, it. Right. And that's where people have to understand the trends. To your point, pull data in the past 10 years on House X in Dallas and look, and it's just a staircase up no matter that's what. the most important thing. I think if you have the data, if you have the facts, they speak by themselves. If someone is asking you whether they buy, they they should buy a house or not is because they are thinking about it. Absolutely. You present the facts. You present, okay, so what, like we were talking about this last week, uh, what happened in 2008, 2009? Well, the average reduction was 8%, 6%. So less than 10. Uh, I think the highest that I saw in the DFW area was some of the outskirts of town, which were like 10 to 15%. The average was somewhere around 7 yeah, so if you know the facts and you can present, here's the prices of the houses, here's the, how the market has behaved. You either catch this here or you're going to catch it here, 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 or here. Like, yes, as everybody said, uh, you marry the house, not the rate. <laughs> that is true. That's turned into such a cliche thing yeah. now, like everybody says that, and then well, they're like, ah. It's such, it's, it's true. It's 100% true. And... If you present the, that information to your client, that should cr enough create that sense of energy, uh, urgency. I don't want to spend too much time on this because we talked about it <laughs> quite a bit, Brian. 
But, uh, you know, simple. if you're talking simple math, and we say that somebody in the pandemic got a 3% interest rate and they paid $150,000 over list, which was very common, uh, in price points that you would be like, how did they even have the difference in these price points? $600,000, i will go eight fifty dollars and pay the difference. I mean, crazy stuff like that. But let's just say $150,000 and you get a 3% rate then. Let's say the house is $500,000 and let's make an easy monthly payment of 3000 bucks a month. So today, let's say that they're paying, they're, they, well, let's go back real quick. So it was 500, they paid 650. So they're 150,000 in essence underwater, but they have a great rate. Let's say somebody comes into a house that's listed right now for 550 and they can get it for 525 and the seller will give them $25,000 to pay towards their buy down. So now we've got a, maybe an interest rate that's, or the rate puts their payment somewhere around 30, 500 a month or 3600 a month how long would they have to own that house to get their equity back of overpaying by $150,000 for that great rate it's it's enough Correct. to put you in the grave it would be 20 years i mean whatever it's to your time, point huge... you can date the rate and just wait till the better one comes along when you have a house and you're upside down in equity it never goes can't away trade that piece it's literally long term hold right to someday try to get your equity back out of it. There's two pieces on this. Let's say we have a $525,000 house putting 5% down a day at a rate of 699. Payments 3300 bucks. Okay? For everybody watching, a year from now if you're waiting um and rates go from 699 to 599, what does the market look like and what does that house look like and the price? So even if you get the 599, it's not 525, it's 550. So the difference in the payment on those two is probably 20 bucks. 20 bucks. Um but you're paying 25k more for the house. What happens when they drop to five and a half? Okay, you're going to save 120 bucks in the payment, but now you've paid 50k more for the house. What about when they drop to 499 and it pushes that price to 600,000? You might save 200 in the payment, but are you the guy or the girl that paid 600? And you're like, yeah, I'm saving 200 bucks. Are you the person that buys at 525? Now they've made 75 grand in 24 months. Oh, meanwhile, that much I've paid. refinanced during that trend. And so I didn't actually overpay $200 every month for 24 months. But at the end of the day, who cares? If I give you 75K in two years and said, hey, make higher payments at 200 a month for 24 months, here's the exchange, great. So it's also about understanding this, that things aren't gonna get cheaper. It's not just about the payment. Whereas where the people that bought now, they can't do that. Then, I'm sorry, the people that buy now have the ability to get <clears throat> the best of both. So for like a first time home buyer that's listening to this, can you explain why the interest rates are the way they are right now and how they trend lower and higher? Yeah, so a good takeaway on this is neither market is real. The COVID super low interest rate is not real. The hyperinflation right now is not real. Historically, it's somewhere Very in the middle and it'll balance. Actually. So interest rates follow inflation. So as inflation goes up, interest rates go up. As inflation comes down, interest rates come down. So here's why, here's an analogy. So if you're a mortgage company, and somebody has a $300,000 loan and their monthly payment is 2,000 bucks. They pay into a mortgage company every single month for 2,000 bucks. When you're in a steady market, the mortgage servicer, the investor knows, this is what I can get for $2,000. What happens with inflation is that as the cost of goods and services and things go up, when you're a mortgage company and you're receiving $2,000 a month, they can't get the same in the marketplace for the 2,000 anymore. So they have to raise their price, AKA raise their rate. 
So what they used to be able to get for 2000 now cost them 2200 bucks. So they are just raising the rate behind the scenes because they can no longer get the same thing on the exchange for 2000 So now it costs them 2100 2200 2300 2400 And the way they offset that is there is no price on home loans, it's rates. So in order for that servicer or the investor to get the same thing at 2000 bucks today, it's costing them 2400 So they have to raise the interest rates just like when milk goes from $3 to 350 the milk company doesn't absorb that loss. They pass the cost on to me and you, so we have to pay three fifty for the gallon, not three hundred. It's the same concept on home loans, so that's why they follow inflation. So as things get more expensive, the costs get passed on the consumer because the mortgage service and provider can no longer buy the same thing for the amount. So it goes to us. So this is what happens when you have too much money in the system that's not accounted for. The cost is going through the roof and it's getting passed on to us. Neither one of them, again, the COVID super low and right now getting high are the same. Historically, it should be somewhere probably in the high fives, low sixes forever. And people don't really have an issue with higher interest rates. It's the pace in which they went up. Exactly. If you just said, hey, they're going to be 699 by 2025, it's a stair-step process. But that hyperinflation piece is the thing that threw people off. There is a good side to that is that it's cooled things off. Anybody that was a buyer in COVID under 500,000 FHA, VA, they couldn't get a house. Now's an opportunity to get a house, structure, strategy, make some money long-term, not short-term, because when the run happens again and rates drop to five, nine, nine, five and a half, you're going to have a lot of people coming off the sidelines. Oh, yeah. Way more people. It's going to happen again. Then there are houses, and if you don't buy, you're going to be on a six-year run where you've literally been paying the landlord's mortgage for six years. They love you. You're paying down the note. They get all the tax deductions, and they get 20% appreciation. Like, that's not the way to create wealth. So I want people to understand before, after, and the why so they understand how it fits into their financial strategy of their life. I think another simple answer to that question too, Trey, um, from your earlier is like, what do you say to people that ask if they should buy? You should really, <clears throat> I think in general, which I do, I do this to clients, is ask what they feel comfortable paying on a monthly basis. And if you say, okay, well, it's 3,000 bucks a month, and you could find them a house that's 3000 bucks a month for a purchase versus $3,000 per month for a rent, I think you should show them those. Yeah, absolutely. Say, like, this is what you're getting for rent, and this is what you're getting for purchase. With rent, you pay 100% interest. 100% interest, but it's also, most of the time, the rentals are run down. Mm -hmm. They're not in great shape. They're never remodeled. And there's not a whole lot of financial relief as well. The housing market in Dallas, you could put housing of homeowner and renter under the same umbrella. Meaning if your mortgage is 3000 but you can get a great apartment for 1500 I get it. No, exactly. But rent exactly is, my right, point. it's a population thing. So when there's a bunch of humans, they all got to live, there's demand. So if you, again, if you get 2800 on rent, 3000 on the home loan, like they're apples to apples. Absolutely. But there's not a huge discount. Why not buy, right? Correct. But if you, if you, if there is some fluke of a rental that's out there that you're saving all this money and renting, which I have not seen that at all. The rental market is just as high as it is for owning. I think the equilibrium right now is is super close to each other. Uh, it makes no sense to rent. Well, and there's also a second piece to that. People are hypersensitive around 200 bucks. Doing this for 18 years and being a certified planner, I will tell people, like, if you really want the house and that's probably one of the biggest investments in the purchase of your life and you get tax deductions and great ROI, Audit your bank statements. I guarantee you, I see people all the time spend $100 at Me Casino, but they're worried about $200 on the More bank. Like I'm saying, hey, there's room. There's room to pinch down as a human and get more bang for your buck. We all have slush, including me over here. But if somebody's tight on $200, we'll talk about financial strategy, buy it on an ROI. But I guarantee you're looking through all their stuff. They've got yeah. an extra $100, $150 that's better served into a house 
that's paying down a principal that's going up in value than just letting it go out the window to stuff. Less mumbo taxis. That's correct. Mm. Only two, not three. You're there. <laughs> I, I mean, it's literally you cannot order food to your house now for less than 100 bucks. I mean, think if we were doing that instead of three times or four times a week, once a week. You and I have talked about this. There's good (laughs) debt and bad debt for everybody that's watching. Credit card debt is the worst debt. It's not collateralized. It gets high interest rates and it gets people in trouble. Auto debt is in the middle because the debt is at least collateralized by something, which is a vehicle. So you get in a pinch, you can turn (laughs) the vehicle in and get rid of the debt, but autos go down in value and you don't get tax deductions on the payment. Mortgages are collateralized against something, which is the house, that goes up in value. So you make money on your money and you get tax deductions on the payment. So people also have to look at debt from good, bad, and in the middle. There's no other debt that you and I can get right. to where it's collateralized on an asset that goes up 5% a year and you get money back on the payment. I mean, just about every higher wealthy person outside of the medical field, being a doctor or an attorney or whatever, I, I mean, 99, 99% of them have accumulated wealth through real estate. I mean, there's so many people that I've met over the years that bought great things early in life, you know, like a 16-unit townhome complex in Dallas in 1983, and that thing's now worth $5 million, and they paid 800000 for it. I mean, this, just, is the, this, is the, this is the buy and wait, not the wait to buy. Exactly. Um, another pointed question, Trey. Let's get something yeah. really aggressive on this one. <laughs> okay, so, well, do we feel like Dallas is eventually going to hit LA pricing? Like, first time home buyer is going to eventually have to spend a million dollars to get a house the way things are going? I mean, Dallas is becoming more expensive because it has hyper demand mm-hmm. because of the people, the policy, the economics, the weather, the sports. We can go on and on. So as the frontier movie goes up, that, right? No. Um, no. Things get more expensive, but at the same time, the return on the investment sometimes is just as great. So you know, part of being at a big city that's growing is it's very stable. There's a lot of growth. People feel safe and secure, but it does get more and more expensive. But on the flip side of that coin. It'll continue to trend up, so they'll make money on their money. So if they can look at it, too, as an investment, not just an expense, that's another way to understand the roadmap on how to create wealth. And the um, most recent uh, stats that I saw, which I think we may have touched on the last podcast, but it was a shocking stat. It was like Dallas was in the top three markets in the United States for houses sold $10 million or higher. And that's LA pricing. Obviously. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because LA pricing, one hundred percent, is at a thousand dollars a foot plus. We have some markets that do that. Preston Hollow, Park Cities, they're there. Um, outside of that, you've got great areas like we were talking about earlier, where Francisco has some listings in Midway Hollow, M Streets, Lakewood. Those are still five, six hundred dollars a foot. What about outside of Dallas proper itself? What are some areas that you feel like we're seeing great growth that are Fris- nice areas? Frisco has now gotten to the point where they have $5 million houses, which is crazy to me because when Brian and I were just young bucks in this world selling real estate, Frisco was entry level $120,000 houses. Mm -hmm. You now have neighborhoods that have built ultra custom luxury, $2 million buy-ins, $5 million houses, and 
you just I, the reason I say it's shocking to me is because they have they've gotten caught up out there with some of their infrastructure. They've done amazing with their schools. But if you're doing anything on like a fun night out, you're still driving to Dallas. Mm -hmm. So Dallas is like, okay, well, if you're going to spend that kind of money, why not live in Dallas? To Trey's point, it might cost a million bucks for a house, but what's the alternative? Is it expensive rent? What's causing the demand because everyone wants to be here? So if it gets more expensive for a house at a million, that says, okay, well, there's a housing problem because of a lot of people in demand. So the alternative is, I don't want to pay a million for a house. Cool, what's the rent? Well, it's similar to where it's now. If they're neck and neck, yeah. one actually makes you money long-term, one costs you. And the other thing about rent is, like, people always say, like, um, you know, well, I don't have to put as much down. But you think about putting first and last month's deposit plus your uh, for first month's rent plus deposit last month's rent. So that's 2000 bucks times three. That's 6000 If you were going to spend $2,000 in a, in, a, in a rental and you have $6,000 in your pocket, that means you could probably buy a $300,000 house and do a FHA 3.5% down and be that close. Respectfully, that's a poor person's mindset. Right, and it's just a comfortable decision. Like, I'm just gonna rent. People say like, oh, you know, I don't wanna worry about the expenses that comes with a house. And I'm like, you buy a $500,000 house. So if you have five to $6,000 a year in expenses, carpet, paint, touch up, and AC every five years here and there, if your house appreciates, let's use conservative averages, 4% a year, $500,000 house, okay? Let's say you stay there for five years, okay? So it appreciates at 20K a year. You keep it for five years. That's 100K when you sell it, you make. If you have $5,000 a year in expenses over five years, that's 25,000 bucks in expenses. But you make 100, so you're net 75. Plus, you're paying into a principal and you're going to get some of that back. I call it forced place savings. Yeah. You're forcing your money, something's good going down. Also, again, tax deductions. You get money back on your money. There's two options on the IRS. Standard deduction, which is 12.5 for single, 25 for married. If you make more than that or have more than that, you've got a mortgage that's, you know, three grand, that's $36,000 a year. You probably have 18 grand in interest. So what happens is, as opposed to taking the standard deduction of 12.5, you take the mortgage introduction of 18, and now your taxable income is not 100K, it's 82K. So you actually get money back on the payments, where with rent, it doesn't go towards anything, and you get nothing back. But these are things people need to know when buying a house, because they matter. And that's honestly where most people are able to get out of property to go into another property, is take the equity and move it. It's a compounding effect. Your primary residence... And I'm quoting this as a personal um, tax code that I, I know uh, was given to me by my CPA, so I think I can repeat it. $500,000 in equity as your primary residence is not taxed. If you have a million in equity, you're going to pay taxes on 500000 If you have 300000 in equity and you're moving it to another property, there's no tax implications for a primary residence. So you think about how like somebody does stay in a house for five as a married years, couple, two fifty for single. That's correct. Mm -hmm. um, so you think about going to a new property with rental. You have zero equity when you're leaving. Hopefully, you've saved up enough money to go do another deposit. But can another I tell you, even if somebody makes three hundred thousand dollars on the sale and the equity, and they've got to pay. 15% capital gains tax. I'm fine with that. Of course. I'll make 300 grand on my equity versus renting. When you move, there's nothing. So it's like, hey, you know, if your stock goes up 20X, you're going to pay capital gains tax. Great. Great. If you make a million dollars in income, you got to pay. Great. I'll take that trade right. of like, even if but, it happens, so what? Your equity on your rent is goose egg. Yeah. And then- In this market, I think that is 
our biggest job as real estate agents letting people know that these things exist because there is the poor people mindset which is i rather rent or rather rent but there's also a ignorant people uh effect because they don't know that they can do it they don't know about fha they know that they have five thousand dollars in the bank and they're like that's not going to be enough how is that going to be enough to buy a house so it's our job to inform these people about all what we can do and be creative have people like you present them to them and and talk to them about this stuff and also people have to understand i mean it's our job to educate and help and help people understand and navigate the market short and long term but you know consumers don't know anything about it it's not their fault we're the ones with the knowledge we need to educate them but if we were wrong about this folks we'd be out of job our job is to keep clients happy keep them coming back and show them how to compound wealth through buying a house so if everything that we were saying constantly is wrong we would be unemployed respectfully we're not and this is where you have to go deeper and help people understand Short-term rate and payment, we'll fix that. Here's why. Long-term, you can't get those type of poker chips just making money and saving. It's Life's too hard, too expensive. There are a few things in life that can help you compound wealth faster, and owning a home is one of those. And the, the, the rental side of things for most people who are dipping their toe in the water, um, I think a lot of it comes from they see the exterior influence of like a national level of what's going on with interest rates and what's going on with the housing market and of course you can speak to your blue in the face with Dallas being like this little bubble that we live in and it's just you know an amazing place for all these different reasons but if somebody starts to dip their toe in the water and look at the housing that's that's available on the market right now and if they did have somebody like me or you or you or you that's going to walk in and say here's all the benefits Here's your negative. One thing, rates. We can solve it. The solve is buying it down for the short term. Everybody knows in the next two years they're going to be lower. Three years they're going to be lower. So the short term for them is still fixed. The long term, who knows? Who's, who knows what's going to happen with rates and real estate markets and all this stuff? If you're going to repeat history, then it's going to be just fine. There's not going to be any issues. Right. And that's what you really have to go off of. You have to go off of history repeats itself. And we've been doing this long enough to where we've seen these little dips and the cycle always comes out like a firecracker. And home ownership is a privilege. Not everybody should buy. If you can't qualify and you're not responsible enough and you can't make the payments and things here and there, it might be the best idea to wait. Wait six, 12 months, run a budget, save up money. But for those that can, they're just wondering if they should. This is where we have to come in exactly. and say, hey, look at everything else and let's make an educated decision together but nobody talks about hey this house in 2016 is now worth this this is how much money you'd have made paid down here's your roi this is what your cash net worth and your net worth would be now let's do the same thing again but even the statistics about where it was and where it is now it's not the same dallas pre-covid even though those numbers were good dallas wasn't supersized where it's getting now, it's booming even more, which means there's going to be more demand and more demand pushes prices up. And those prices up when you're an owner makes you more money because it's continuously going up. And that's the appreciation part people need to know about. My dad recently told me that when I was born, him and my mom were looking at two different properties. One was in Grapevine and it was just a house. And the other one was this land in what was the middle of nowhere. It was 20 acres. They were offered this piece of land for $50,000 and they went with the house in Grapevine instead. That land turned into 
White's Chapel in South Lake. And I was like, you single-handedly ruined my life by not buying that. So what are some areas right now where we're seeing great appreciation that people should focus on? Yeah, that's that's a tough question because anything outskirts of Dallas right now could be just like that. Like, who knows in 20 years? Like, it's hard to say because you have so many different builders out there right now that are trying to build further and further out. It catches on in some. It doesn't in others. I mean, South Lake's a pretty tough pill to swallow. That area's done amazing. Yeah. I'm going to give you a secret. So I'm not going to drop my boy, boy, boy's name, but one of my best friends works for a gas company in Dallas. He's in sales, and his job is to sell the gas rights underneath the dirt to developers. A lot of his territory is up north. So we've seen this huge housing market, you know, dip and, oh, this, that, and the other. But it's only hit Dallas like 15%, and now it's on the way back up. So I talk to him all the time. He is selling gas rights at max capacity all the way north for developers that are buying it by the chunks because they know what we know, which is the migration coming into Texas and the preparation for growth is booming. They're not thinking about right now. They're thinking yeah. about 26, 27, 28. So when he tells me this, he knows before all of us, hey, one, two, three developer is buying up north, past Prosper, all the way to Sherman, all these places, because Dallas isn't landlocked. There's a lot of availability of land north. So these places are going to be a good buy, but they're going to be worth a lot. But it tells me if these developers are buying from him the gas rights so they can get the development set up before they plop, before they sell to a builder, it's got to get a construction loan, close the house. They're thinking in 2028. So all of these areas are going to be worth more for the demand. But the question is, with these developers being buying gas rights from him right now, if they didn't believe and know what we already know, which is the city's on the map and it's growing, they're trying to get it as cheap as they can because it's only going to get more expensive. So some of the things up north right now are still a good buy, but at the same time in five years, they might not be. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a crystal ball. You just don't know till you know. And the, the, I have a similar story with my dad. He, he's... I think when we were, I was probably in my five to six year old range. He was looking at a house that was a new build in Plano that was $120,000. I mean, something really inexpensive, but it was new and it was exciting because he never owned a new house before. And then he was also looking at a house in Highland Park that was $189,000. That was a little bungalow, two bed, two bath. It would have been smaller than what we wanted on Loma Alto. That house now is lot value two million. The house that we grew up in is probably four hundred. Isn't that rude? <laughs> like what? Huh. <laughs> you look at you look at those kind of things, and you're just like, ah, oh, you know, hindsight. But real estate really is the right place at the right time, and it strikes lightning sometimes, and it other times it doesn't. And I can tell you, I can count on one hand probably the amount of times I've had to had a listing appointment with people over the years that they've been upside down. And yeah, that entire five times or six times or whatever it was was definitely in the 2008 crash window. And unfortunately, the only reason that those people were selling is because it was either foreclose or sell. Mm -hmm. So they had to make that decision where like, they're gonna either give it back to the bank or they're gonna sell it. And that's not, that is not the normal sit. I've never experienced it since then. I never experienced it before then. There's always been some amount of equity. Somebody can walk away with it at bare minimum break even. Right, and I think to Trey's point about Dallas getting more expensive for those out there that are maybe single or younger, sub 32 or whatever, my first experience with buying a house was 27. I bought a townhome in Plano. It was 190 grand. The mortgage was 1500 bucks, but instead of me rooming with somebody in an apartment or having two individual guys pay for two one bedrooms, part of my strategy was I'm gonna get a roommate, okay? I'm gonna make sure that he and I pay less than the market rent of a one one, but I'm going to have more space. He's going to have more space. Living conditions are much better for both of us because it's cheaper. We actually have a house. But the truth of the matter is 
I was winning because he was paying half of the mortgage, mine was cheaper, I got the deductions, and the house was going up over time. So if you're in a position of like things are expensive, if you're already gonna room with somebody in a two bedroom, things here and there, be the buyer that steps out and says, okay, cool, we're gonna pay 2,500 for a two bedroom, let me go get a $3,000 mortgage, have my buddy pay 1,200 because he can't get that anywhere, a one bedroom, more expensive, have a 2,000 square foot house, and everybody lives in the same quarters and they're not gonna leave because their living conditions and costs are below the market, but the truth of the matter is the person that owns the house is getting the note pay down, they get the deductions, and when they go to sell three and four years when life changes, they make the money on the sale. That's how I started. It's a good strategy for somebody that's like in the beginning. Did your buddy that you were letting room with you, was he OCD like you? Um, I don't know. He stayed up all night and played poker, so he didn't talk that much. But as long as he paid the bills, it was all good. <laughs> Brian in the other room putting his processes and procedures together for mortgage. You got to. <laughs> they're, they're, they're in there doing poker. Okay, um, we're going to wrap on that. Um, we've got, Trey, you have two podcasts that you do. Yep. Mr. Mr. And, and Weekly Dose of BS. Which is the one that me and Megan went on, right? Yep. And you had yep. that one with Stephanie. Yep. As a um, co-host. Great podcast. Mm -hmm. You'll need to tr check that out. He does those weekly. You've got Dallas Mortgage Man for Instagram, which is Brian. And Daily Dose of BS, but that's just talking to me. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> And Francisco Rizzo, which is one of the agents here in our office at the agency. You can check us out at the agency.dallas on Instagram and the agency TX, agencydallastx.com uh, for our website. Thank you for tuning in. See you soon.